Christians. And we ended last time with um, Paul encouraging uh, Timothy and Silas to come and meet him there. Uh, but we're going to meet and pick up the text where Paul is, uh, where he is um, walking around Athens, and we'll see what he's spending his time on. Uh, yeah, so you can look at this slide. So we we're going to, Paul in the, in the here, he's going to be taken to Mars Hill. Uh, it's named after the war god, so it's also called Eros Hill uh, in the Greek, and Mars in the, in the Roman, uh, in the Latin. And so it's a hill just by uh, the Acrocalypse. Uh, we're going to see some videos here, and I can explain. So this is standing on Mars Hill. So what you're seeing right in the front is Mars Hill. Somebody's just <laughs> walking up. And then here we're seeing the view from the Acrocalypse, uh, the Pantheon Temple down towards Mars Hill. You can see it down there. Um, and here you see another view from Marcel down towards the uh, marketplaces or where the marketplaces would have been. Um, so that's also going to be talked about. And uh, yeah, this is the same view there. I think these are just uh, s uh, some uh, still photos from the same place. So you see down towards there and also there. And uh, Lee and I, we've been there on a fantastic, nice uh, conference. Uh, I could not find the pictures, but it would have been kind of fun to just have our faces in there as well. Um, so this is, these are some of the things that um, um, that uh, Paul would have had uh, encountered. Uh, just historically, at this point, Athens has kind of lost some of its, its prominence and significance, but it's still it's not as powerful on different things, but it's still seen as a place uh, for philosophers and uh, learning in, in that kind of way. So in some sense, it still has some some uh, prominence there. <coughs> but let us read together, and then we will get into <coughs> what does all those things mean. Uh, as we do sermons here, it's about understanding who Jesus is, understanding who the Bible is, and, and how we see that is also how Paul lived, how other people lived. Uh, it's describing who God is. And so we want to encourage one another. And so encouraging one another is to uh, lift one another up. Also, sometimes we need to challenge one another. So hopefully that's a both thing. You'll be encouraged in who God is, and you would also be challenged in who God is, and you walk in that way that he calls you to live. So let's read together. Um <coughs> Now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplaces every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. And some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others <laughs> said, he seems to be preaching of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? For, we, for you bring strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, 
I perceive that in every way you are very religious, for I passed and uh, passed along and observed the object of your worship, and I found an altar, which this inscription, to an unknown god, what therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to us, to all mankind, life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each of us. For, for in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being therefore God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art of the imagination of man. The times of ignorance God has overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Now when they heard of the raising resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, we will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from their midst. But some men joined him and believed, among them who, who also were Dionysus the Agoraparite and a woman named Damarius and others with them. This is the word of the Lord. So we have uh, we have Paul in Athens. He's going around. He's looking at the city. His spirit is provoked by all these things. Um, and so what do you do there? Like, what is he going to do? But just uh, before we get to that, uh, a short note. He's st- not he's not stuck there, but he gets he he gets left there. And so he's kind of actually waiting for the rest of the people to Timothy and Silas to come to him. So one of the things that I was thinking is that and maybe it's a good one and we I think we've talked a little bit about it but what do we do in our waiting? And because you are going to wait a lot of times uh even during the day. You have to sometimes you have to wait in the store, in the store you have to wait in line. I guess we've been <laughs> waiting in a lot of lines. Uh, maybe you're driving a car or a bicycle and you have to wait at the light because it's red. I remember one, one guy, he's called Stephen Bond. He's from a Danish uh, uh, pop band. And it's something that actually stuck to me. And I think it actually has some uh, truth to it. 
he's a why are we so bothered by these things where we have to stop? Why don't we turn it around and make it a free space to relax? That instead of continuing our busy day, maybe even being frustrated at the people around us, what if we just took the time to relax in line? What if we took the what if we took the traffic light turning red as a oh I can breathe, I can pause. So I thought that's actually something that I've been thinking about. And I think there's a lot of truth to it in the sense of like, well, what do we actually spend this precious time that God gives us on? Are we spending are we spending it like looking forward to something all the time? Maybe that's what causes us stress and anxiety that we're not really where we are. We're always like ahead of ourselves. And therefore people and I mean, maybe in the stores you're like, <laughs> like that people become like hindrances and things that has to be kind of uh, obstacles. And I guess you, many of you know it also from the red lights and maybe you can also think about other things. Oh yeah, like waiting in the doctor's office, like 10, 15 minutes past your time. The dentist, like you're like, come on, I, I got here, I hurried to get here and now I'm just sitting here waiting. But what if that's actually a gift of God that you would enjoy that? Um. So then, what do we do in our what do we do in our waiting? And we talked about it, or we just Vlad also talked about it, because we have been waiting a lot this year, We're waiting for news of how things should open waiting for news from the school or from the from your employer when can i go back to work when can i do different things have we been so caught up in in waiting that we forgot that it could be a gift of of time with god where we could pray we can enjoy the break we can enjoy the silence we can enjoy one another's company if you're in the same bubble or do you, did we kind of just keep moving and forward and being, could be stressed again and just keep going? So just a, just a question. What do you do when you have to wait? Is that, could that be a sign for us to stop, praise God for the break, and actually reconnect us to him, even though it's just in our mind as well? Or do we <laughs> go to the other part where we start complaining about why isn't the dentist, well, don't they know how to plan? Or why is it always that when I get here to Reimatusen, there's like a huge line. Um, does our lives become more of a complaining party when things don't go our way? Could it even be a blessing to wait? Because we are going to wait. That's a lot of what we learn to in our lives we are waiting for a lot of us we are waiting for Jesus to come back so what will we do in the waiting well we see Paul he gets super provoked by these idols he says his spirit gets provoked and he keeps going 
in his pattern from the other cities he recently been been at. So he goes into the synagogue there, and he reasons with the Jews and the devout people that are kind of that are seeking God. But then he also twists, he he switches up a little bit, and he goes into the marketplace. We saw some of the places where the marketplace could have been, and then he starts just randomly reasoning with the people there. And so you can say, is this a one-to-one -one application of like that's gonna be totally accepted if I do that in Neto or Rehman? No, it's it's about a cultural way, as as we also talk about that was acceptable culturally to go there and talk to people and say, hey, where are you from? What are you doing? And then he engages people in their understanding of who God is. As he's doing that, though, as he's doing that, he kind of like gets scooped up or picked up by these groups of uh, philosophers and they take him up there to Mars Hill or Ar the Ares Hill, the Ergoopagus. And, and the main confusion you have about his teaching is is uh, the part where he says that Jesus has risen from the dead. They get interested in what Paul's saying, but they also, the what was it uh, here? They want to know what this means. Uh, we wish, therefore, what we wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. So they heard some of the things that Paul has been saying. It was like, okay, you, we get up here, we discuss, we we talk. Now we we will get you a hearing. And so, <laughs> I think if you like flip to twenty one, it's very interesting their culture because it seems like also part of our culture that they are telling or hearing something new all the time. So the focus there was like, they had all these gods and they had these philosophies, but they're always seeking something new. They weren't necessarily applying whatever they knew. They were just looking. There must be something new. There must be something better. And so maybe that's also, that is definitely part of our culture, like the more consumeristic culture that there would always be new products. There's always going to, there's going to be a better phone. There's going to be a better car. There's going to be, uh, this new thing you can do, new toys, new trinkets, a new political parties or anything. There's always like this hunt for new things. And then it's gone a little bit. <laughs> I think it's gone a little bit absurd with the news, uh, because now, <laughs> now we have just 24-hour news channels, but there might not actually be news 24 hours a day, so it seems like they create their own news. And so the <laughs> the things that I, I just, like, I sometimes shake my head as and say, this is just not making any sense. They would cut to a person outside a meeting, and the person in the studio will ask the person, how's the meeting going? But the person's not in the meeting. They're outside. They don't know anything. So that person's going to say, well, the thing is seen, they started at this time and this time. And then this person, what do you think is going to happen? What do you think is happening? The person knows nothing. But it's just them guessing what they think is happening. That is not news. That's just strange. Okay, so that, sorry about that. I just, I just think that's a weird thing about how news are made up today <laughs> so because it's kind of it kind of makes it absurd it's nothing to do with news it's like we're creating things just to talk about something or to distract something and it and and i think it's the 
why I address it here and also address it to us is like, there's always going to be something new. There's always going to be something, but we can't put our hope in that. And, and like having the hope in something new and something new and something new, or my phone's going to show me something new that's going to make my day better. I think I'm guilty of that. And I'm catching myself that, oh, if I just look at my phone, maybe there's like a good message or something. I mean, it could be true, but we can't put our hope in that. But in this sense, it's also like always looking for the next thing. You're not really going to live your life. But always being chasing after the wind that something new would come. And then (laughs) you can take the next slide. I think it's the Ecclesiastes um, slide or the Ecclesiastia. Uh, (laughs) So depending on uh, what kind of person you are, you really like Ecclesiastes or you're a little bit (laughs) different. (laughs) So, So the author of Ecclesiastes says, what has been is what will be. And what has been done is what will be done. And there's nothing new under the sun. And you'd be like, yeah, but it's an iPhone, whatever. Yeah, but it's not. that's not the point. The point is like, it's not really going to change anything. Like what has been, ha- has been. There's nothing, not new things that are coming that will change everything. So I just think that's sometimes interesting to look at Ecclesiastes when we, we critique our culture and different things. But, Important is that there are people that are truly seeking to find, not just like people today, or some people today just wanting new things, but there are some people that are seeking to find. And also, there are some people that we'll see that, or we read, that that are seeking to find. Some of the two groups, and just to explain a little bit about them, you can take the next slide. Um, so the European is a system that talks that there's no connection between people and divine. That doesn't mean that they don't, that they didn't believe that there was gods. That that could be, but they just didn't believe that there was connection between between people and God. So you could say uh, equivalent to to, uh, to agnostic or like where you have, I think there's a God, but he just made it and then he left kind of. This this was expressed then in a um, in a in a lifestyle where you sought comfort and satisfaction and to avoid avoid pain and discomfort. Sounds a little bit like today, doesn't it? <laughs> but then you also have your slides. It talks more about uh, not just if you could just go back. Like talks more about who it came from, and also you could say it's actually pretty um, early if you go back to the. Ecuperian slides, like it's uh, the kind of you know revolution that was true is that they actually me- believe that the world's made of atoms, uh, but also that is only material, and um, yeah, so it was it was also kind of like very very enlightened very early because if you could free people from the fear of death and the fear of punishment from a god then you could set people free. And so then it's the then it's only physical reality that's really important. And uh and though you can just it's all about drink, 
uh, eat and drink because tomorrow we'll die. But then they try to try to not focus on the die part. But um, so that's kind of what the Epicure Epicurean uh, uh, philosophers were. I think we take the next one just to explain who they are. The Stoics. They they were opposite, so they believed that uh, pantheistic system. So they believed God was in everything, in all in us and plants and everything. So so it's very very different to other people. But it's also they would prioritize logic over uh, other faculties, and so it was made by this guy Cyril, um, so that they. <laughs> Here it's actually, this is actually maybe what John is picking, or this is what John is picking up on. You can see there it talks about the Logos. So they believe that the universe is controlled by a reasoning force known as the Logos. So when he writes in John, the word, um, the word was with God, the word was God, he uses Logos there. So he enters into this understanding of what, how the Greek would understand that, oh, Jesus was the Logos. Jesus was the one that created. He was the one. Um, so this is the concept that they have here, that there is a reasoning force um, in the in the universe. Yep. Exactly. Thank you, Vlad. Can you go back? Uh, not Vlad. Abel. <laughs> Can you go back to the other one? Just have the last part. Um, yeah, so they would be systematized systematized things and they would obey the laws of nature so these are the two groups that paul is uh, is talking with or they're inquiring of what um what is it that paul is talking about and so we go to to his address in 22 and so paul he he uh He's really, uh, what could you say? He he enters in mission. Like the, a lot of people says, this is like Paul being a missionary. He's like he's observed. He's gone around. This is how the people are. And then he enters in, and he enters in into their space in a sense. And he is really kind of nice in the beginning. Uh, and then he kind of he tightens it up, and kind of points out a lot of things that they uh, don't understand about God. And then he leads them to judgment. So he's <laughs> many people get stuck on the first part and say like, "Oh, Paul is so he's so missionary sensitive," but he's actually as he's doing that, he's drawing in the hearers, and then he explains who God really is, and that is like totally opposite to what they believe about who God is. And then he draws out the well, sorry, I'm getting ahead of something. Then he draws out the things that are wrong with them. In the culture, and then he goes to who God is and who Jesus is. But I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself there. So he says, he first he says, like I've gone around the city, I've seen all these things. You are like you are so religious, so religious and devout. The philosophers might actually not have been, but <laughs> the, the, at least all the all the temples around him showed that there was a lot of worship of a lot of different gods. But it also shows us that people can be very religious also today and very devout and have no idea who God is. Um, of course, we do not pray that has hap that happens in our church, but you can grow up in church and you can be very religious and you can obey all the rules and have no idea who God is. You can also do that if you are for 
from uh, did you, or you experienced that as well if you grow up in a different religious system following the system so devoutness and being very religious doesn't mean that we know who God is and Paul says you when he talks about the altar to an own God I was just reminded about what what uh, what Jesus says to the woman at the well in John 4 if you can press that one and so they have this interchange and 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 the lady throws in like you know because it's a conflict between the Samaritans and Jews and Samaritans have their own side of worship because that's a long story we I'll give that to you but um and she says like our fathers worships on this mountain but you say you should be in Jerusalem <coughs> that the place where we ought to worship and Jesus said to her Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. I'm just going to leave it there because I think we're, we're going to read the other part. But he says that, he says first to, to them, I see you're very religious. And then he says to them, but you have no idea who God is. I am telling you now who this God is that you don't know. I'm proclaiming him. Uh, so this, and he says like, the, also when you have um, David desiring to build the temple, God is like, well, what kind of house are you going to build for me? I can't be in a house. And also the same thing here, Paul clarifies God can't be made. He can't. He can't live in all those temples there. He can't live in a house that's made by human hands. And it's just an interesting setting because there are all all these temples all around, as he's saying it. And we saw them in the in the in the video. And I just like have a the instead of like the the focus so much being on, am I religious? Am I dutiful? In my serving God with my hands, I was just as I was reflecting, but do I love God? Do I love Him with all my heart, my soul, my strength? Not just rituals. Then his second point is God actually doesn't need people to serve Him. God is not in need of anything. Sometimes when people. <laughs> Uh, in a in in a missionary context, it was like, well, God, He made people so that He would be satisfied or something. But that's just not true. As Paul says here, He doesn't need anything. It's not like God is waiting and less uh, less fulfilled if humans don't serve Him. And He brings it into like, no, no, it's the other way around. God gives life and breath to all men, and He creates everything. He's not in need of anything. And then Paul, he shifts back and he says, commentator says it was kind of like a bash against the, the, the Athenians because they're like, we have come out of this land. And uh, I mean, the Romans had the same, like a lot of people are ethnocentric about how they have, sh they themselves has come out from the land. So, <laughs> so, so Paul says, no, no, like actually God created people from one man from Adam he created everyone 
and and he creates all ethnic groups. So you Athenians are actually not better than everybody else, or you Spartans, or you Romanians, or you U.S. people, or you people from the former states in Yugoslavia, Spain, or anything. God makes everyone. So kind of, it's kind of a hit at like people being like, "Oh, but we are the best." Like, well, God actually made all of you. And also, it's like God's omni, God's all powerfulness and all powerfulness because He also saying, well, "God also determined where you were born." Where, well, He says to them, but it's also applying for us. Like, God, it's things are not just like random. Like we can, I think it's any culture today would complain about like, well, you know, this and this, and we'll control all sorts of things. But God, God here, Paul clearly here says that. Whenever people were born, whenever ethnic groups were in different places, when you and I were born, he knew where we were born. It's not like kingdoms were there at that point, kingdoms were not there at that point. How long they were, how long they weren't there, that's God's is in control of that. And then why? The big question, why? Paul says like that they would seek God. And then he begins to talk about this like that they would feel towards him. And he says, so that's an allusion to the poetry that they would know. And Paul corrects them and says, but he's actually close at hand. So for Deuteronomy, from Jeremiah, from the Psalms, like he could have used those things if it was the Jews, but now he's with people or not. So he uses some of their poets to say those things. They're familiar with this. They're not so. F- they're not familiar with scripture, but they're familiar with what the poets say. So he uses. In this case, he uses this. So it's like probably Epimedes of Crete um, that he quotes there. And then I'm gonna. I don't know how I'm gonna take the whole thing, but. What does that mean for us? This missionary mindset of our center, our culture, because we talked about last time, we talked about can we explain the gospel from the Bible? Now Paul is challenging, or he uses here, something from culture to correct their understanding of who God is. But he connects it through something they understand. He connects it. He doesn't not quote scripture at this point. He connects it, the idea of who God is, with um, with what they know, the poetry that they know. So, how do we do that as we engage? And our culture is, or not our culture, our church is interesting because there's many different cultures, and you might be even uh, working with or in in groups with people from all different cultures. So, how do we how do we engage people where they're at? Some of them might come from religious backgrounds and you can easily talk about scripture with them, but is there things that we can see from the culture that would bring a link to that? So a missionary mindset of understanding that. It takes a lot of, I think it believe, I, I, I think, or I believe it takes a lot, it takes wisdom and prayer to see how can we make those links. But also, as we talked about before, the link's not just the link. The link is to show like who God really is. The downside can sometimes be over-contextualization, where in an attempt to, under- in an attempt to accommodate or 
or um, an attempt to accommodate or, or or connect with somebody, we say things about God that's not true. So that's the that downside. So we have to f- have to just adjust it to that. That it doesn't become a. Uh, then we've stated some things that are not true. I think his relation for me is like the rest of it as well. It actually turns out, and it talks about Jesus in the end. It doesn't just stay contextualized. He draws people to Jesus, and he actually corrects their wrongs as they go there. There are some things, like I think in our Danish culture here, there's some people that sometimes they they do get, like, they get things right. Um, But even before that, like... uh, so we have from the Bible that uh, work in six days and resting one is what we should do to honor God. And I think it was the Wall Street Journal that also brought an article saying that that was true, not because of God said it, but that because of actually looking to companies of the, where people did not work all the time. So sometimes culture affirms also what the Bible says. I was I saw this uh, this guy, a Danish guy who. He he is kind of a he's a psychologist, uh, a negative psychologist or something, and it's it, bear with me because it's translated from Danish. So, so he had, he had a post of like something I think that goes like as a critique towards the culture is that uh, he either was a Facebook post that I couldn't find, but uh, he said make sure or surround yourself with people that inspire you, and then day by day. Try to be the best version of yourself, and that will leave you exhausted. So this person is not like <laughs> a follower of Jesus, but I think that's the truth. We've created a society where there's so much focus on developing yourself, but really it just like leaves you super tired that you have to create yourself. <laughs> And all those things, and even it's like it's been talked about maybe a while here in this country. Is like it's a performance culture, like and even a competitive culture, performance culture. Um, and then there's another guy called Simon Crum. He's like a singer and a comedian. He's made an absurd comedy. Um, so I I don't. Uh, I don't necessarily like it because it's like things that makes you cringe because it's so awkward. But the main character is a is a life coach, and that that in his uh, attempts to make um, to make things better, you can see that optimizing every part of his life then optimizing himself kind of becomes a god. Like it becomes like the goal. And I think he, in that, he brings up so many good points about like, well, if we're, if we live in this culture that values only people or values people per their performance or per their able to continue to develop into a better version, you can never rest in who you are. There's never peace in you because you always have to be a changing version. You're not valued for who you are. You're valued for your performance or your ability to keep changing, keeping being more productive. It was a good day if I was productive. It was a bad day if I was not as productive. 
And I think I, on my run, I actually got hit by this because I think I grew up in this culture and I didn't really know. When you lay, I've, I think I've talked at other times, I, I think I've said about like, do you feel more loved by Jesus the day where you're obedient and good? Or the times where you're not, when are you most loved by God? But I think growing up in this culture, I think that I sometimes would say like, it's actually been a bad day because I didn't get the things done I wanted. Or I, didn't, I don't feel like I did anything. But is that an ability to understand to rest in who Jesus is? That it's not about our performance, but it's the performance and the trust in Jesus as the gift from God. That was just like a like a some example from this culture. Paul then he he comes into them and he says like <clears throat> we're created in, God God has created all man in His image, we're His offspring. Therefore, we should not think that God is something that's made up of gold or silver or some person's imagination. No, we have to remember that God made us in his image and not us making him in our image. I like this about God. I like not this about God. I like this. Which is, it seems like also is kind of like part today. Like people don't really want to believe in the God of the Bible. But they would like to like take some spiritual things here from there and speak to things from here. And it really turns out that God is like you then. But God's so much more than just us. And so he will offend and make us think and make us ponder because we're creating it, his image, not us creating his image. He, not us creating him in our image. That's just us making an idol. But being created, he says, Paul, we should reject all these idols, all these uh, sticks and stones and all these pictures. Because God is not like that. He's a living God. The creator of the whole world. And you have to understand that he actually doesn't need us to serve him but instead what he what we should do is repent change our minds from these futile idols he says to them and turn to the living God that created everything and he he brings that out by appointing that's like God has overlooked the times of ignorance and now you need to turn to God away from all these idols and how does he make that? It's maybe here where it doesn't as it might not be as seeker sensitive as it was in the beginning, because he 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 brings it out with, okay, God has now he's overlooked, but now there will be a judgment. There will be a judgment. God will judge the whole world. And then Paul says, the proof of that is that Jesus that he raised Jesus from the death. So then, so then he starts so like, maybe seek sensitive, so missionary orientated, but the whole goal is to draw people into who Jesus is. That God has overlooked and been very merciful for everyone, but now there is a time and there is 
a person that will judge in righteousness. Not like us, that's why we ask not to judge. We ask to love and serve our enemies. But Jesus will go everything right. He's not going to miss anything. And so he is calling people to turn back and, and worship the living God and trusting who Jesus is. And so, so there's a little bit of a rebellion there <laughs> in the crowd because they're like they're not happy about the whole resurrection thing, because that goes against all of their understanding. Oh, the both of the philosophical system doesn't have a, a category for raising people from the dead. So there's a break off of the conversation there, and there's like three ways. There's people like ah, this is stupid, like, like mocking, mocking Paul, and there's some people that are maybe confused like in the middle or other people say they could be mocking too but they're saying well we're going to hear something else and Paul leaves but the beauty of this is that as we've been seeing the whole time he doesn't leave alone some people have believed as he has shared who God is some of the people have responded to the Holy Spirit's calling and they walk with Paul out. So he starts one place, he goes through, it leads to Jesus, and people see him and follow. So praise be to God. So summing up the thing is like, what do we you what do you do in your waiting? What do I do in my waiting? Remember that people can be very religious and they can be very wrong. Remember that that God is a God that doesn't need us to serve him. God doesn't need anything but by grace he invites us into fellowship with him and serve him. Not the other way around. Maybe the larger Christian and the maybe the harder question, like I don't know if the harder Christian is like are we able to present the gospel in different cultures? Are we able to see where the culture actually speaks truth about God? Connect with that? But then also correct where it sees it wrong and leads it, leads, lead the culture to Jesus or the people in the culture to Jesus? Even in that way, critiquing culture where it gets it wrong, but finding the connection to present And the last point is, if you've just been out there, like you've heard me talk about a dude in Athens and <laughs> all sorts of things. He talks about philosophy, different things. I quoted some people from culture. Like I'm saying the same thing as Paul is. Like, are you afraid of death? Are you are you tired of being uh, judged by your performance? Are you tired of trying to better yourself? Well, there's a way better invitation. And that's come, repent of those that mind system, and come to Jesus. He's the he is the one that came in to destroy all the world's constructions of these things, where value, dignity, and worth comes not from what you did. 
but from who created you. He came in so that your rebellions, rebellion against God would be wiped out on the cross as he dies uh, and takes our pain, shame, and guilt, defeats the evil one. So the invitation is to come, to come and follow him. The last note is, I, I, I forgot to say it throughout it, but I do think, I do think that it's like a trick of the enemy. I do think it's a trick of the devil that always gets you to be busy with things in the future so you never enjoy God where you are. That you hear in your ear all the time, you're not good enough, you're not good enough, you should be better, you should be better. You should be a better father, you should be a better husband, you should be a better student. Those things are demonic lies. The call is to come to Jesus and embrace who God has made you to be. Understand that our value, dignity, and worth comes from being made in the image of God and that we repent and follow Jesus. Not our cleverly devised myth or other things, but the whole God and the God that we can see have loved us because he has sent his son so we can see that. The question is, Jesus comes, calls us into this true life, the abundant life I've been talking about. Do you believe that the, that's the real abundant life? Do you believe that Jesus is the one that invites you to come follow him? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise your name. Um, thank you we can even gather together if it's just this way pray for each person listening to the sermon and the singing Lord I pray you open up eyes and ears to hear like who you are as you have done all the time so we pray for that pray for people that are struggling with their <clears throat> struggling with that culture where you always have to perform or be something or change Lord, may we have peace and joy in who you made us to be. And may we have peace and understand better and better, Lord Jesus, that you said it is finished. And instead of in striving, we can rest in who you are. Help us to enjoy the many blessings you give us each day. Help us to be have a mindset of being where we are. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. Glorify your name. Amen. So I hope it was a challenge and an encouragement to you. Uh, if you have comments and questions, you're welcome to to write us and we can talk more. Also, if you are uh, would like the script, I, f I apologize to the people I normally send it to. I forgot. Um, I will send it to you when we're done. Um, you can also have that, but also welcome questions. Uh, also, do you need somebody to pray with you? Reach out to us, and we will gladly serve you in that way as well. So what I, I would ask you, as uh, as Vlad did, um, you've been participa participating with your ears and your eyes, <laughs> but let's now participate in body, and let's stand up and receive the benediction from Romans 15. <clears throat> May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may 
abound in hope. Amen. May you have a joyful week in the Lord.